You're listening to the Incubate Her Broadcast, episode number four. Talk about self-development, fulfillment, and career growth so you can reach your true potential. Now your host, Pauline Francois. Hi, everyone. I hope you are well today. I'm super happy to be back for this week's episode in which I will talk about something that I actually just experienced earlier this week. And I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into it. So something I've come across during my career and in my education is self-disappointment. Self-disappointment is recurrent, yet something not many people mention and talk about. Almost as if there was a taboo around not being the best version of yourself at times. When really, we're just human beings, so inevitably we're going to mess up. The goal is trying to not mess up too much, nor not mess up on the critical things. I don't recall colleagues saying, yay, I could have done that better, or admitting that they didn't get the results they had been working towards, or even admitting that they didn't do the tasks they were supposed to do. Rather, I have memories of peers getting into endless justifications or overly advertising their achievements. It seems that there's a lingering untold posture requirement, which almost forbids that you would say you could have done more or that you failed, or even that you didn't do something because you just forgot, because you were overly tired or overworked. Usually, people tend to blame circumstances or others for something that they didn't do or didn't do well almost as if it's better not to take ownership for the mistakes and the failures. The problem of not taking ownership for something you messed up is twofold. First, the person in front of you is probably aware you messed up and knows you're not being truthful if you ignore it, which worsens your case and tarnishes the trust between you and them. They will either think you're straight up lying to their faces and not being truthful, or they will assume you're delusional. Either way, is not positive at all. Second, it forbids you from taking ownership and consequently learning anything from that mistake, which makes you more likely to do it again. Taking ownership for a mistake you've made only shows your capacity to grow, your willingness to hear feedback and be persistent. And I'll go even further. In my eyes, Someone that has the capacity to admit that they should have done something differently and say it to me showcases high standards, value, and has more potential to grow than the ones who will ignore what went wrong and not even mention it. I'm not saying you should beat yourself up. Do not get me wrong, please. (laughs) When you are in a work environment, there's going to be many times when exterior things come into play with your capacity to focus and to be on point. Whether it is unfortunately experiencing difficulties in your personal life or taking on a role that's too far of a stretch for you and being overwhelmed with it, there are many scenarios in which the circumstances won't be in your favor. There's also going to be times when you're so focused on something that you misprioritize what's important and it can have direct consequences on your work. And sometimes 
You might just be overly tired and in need of a holiday. So don't forget all of that and find a balance of being kind to yourself, yet owning when you could have been better at something. Self-disappointment isn't necessarily correlated to the end result, rather than when you know if you didn't give something important your whole and you could have influenced the outcome differently if you had. You can fail, yet if you have shown up as your best self, you'll be in a state of acceptance. Similarly, when you have a win and you know inside that you didn't really earn it, it will feel a little uncomfortable and icky. But I guess swallowing a win is easier than a disappointment or a failure. My point is, the outcome isn't what drives the self-disappointment rather than how you show up. And it can appear with very important things and also with little things. When it comes to the very important things, It can be expecting a promotion and not having it. Hearing back from an interview for a new job and not getting the job. Trying something new and quitting without giving it a real try. It can also be driving a project that ends up not finalizing. Big things like that where you know if you had put a little more work into it, it would have been different. I'm also thinking about the little things, like arriving five minutes late at a meeting that is important to you. There are no big consequences per se, but you know that you could have done better and you could have organized yourself in order to be on time. There's also those moments where you have a meeting and you prepped it, but not quite enough so that you don't end up attaining the objective you had set for that meeting. Which, when that happens to me, It frustrates the heck out of me because I know that with just a little more prep and a little more focus, it would have made a huge difference. And it would have probably avoided me doing another follow-up meeting and saved a lot of time. And for those little things, there are no huge consequences except that you know you didn't do your best. And when that happens for me, that's the case of self-disappointment because I know I am capable of much more. Like I said, there is no way you can be 100% of the time at full capacity because you're human and life happens. And humans are imperfect. Otherwise, we would be robots. So... Today, I wanted to reassure you on self-disappointment and talk about what to do when you experience it, give you insights of how you can deal with it and what you can actually take away from it. So the first thing I will do when being faced with self-disappointment is to take a breather. Trust me, I do not like this feeling, so I need a pause. Usually, when I feel disappointed in myself, I'll need to isolate myself to focus on what I am feeling in the moment. And while not getting overwhelmed, yet working at being in a state of acceptance. One thing that has been very helpful in my life, I have mentioned it on my site through an article, is meditation. So earlier this week, when I felt frustrated with myself because I didn't give 100% um, of the best presentation I could have at a meeting, I took a break and meditated for 10 minutes. Meditation doesn't make the feelings go away. Rather, 
then it helps you accept them and pay attention to your thoughts and be in the moment. It avoids you looping on and on about what you did in the past and it avoids you thinking about the terrible consequences there's going to be in the future. It forces you to be present in the moment. I find it also very helpful to talk about what happened with somebody you trust. Granted, now with all of us being in remote offices, it's harder to connect. But do make the effort to ping a mentor or a close colleague to discuss what happened and get their insights. Plan a remote coffee break to pause. It will most likely remind you that overall, you're not a terrible person and you're actually pretty awesome. (laughs) And it will also be a nice break from pondering over and over. Another thing I will do is trying not to beat myself up which I used to do a lot in the past and I was very good at it. (laughs) But it only made things worse because it puts you in a state in which you depreciate yourself. And not only is it not productive, it's not constructive and it's not true. When I am spiraling on the negative things, I remind myself to consider me as my own friend. I feel we can be harder on ourselves than we would be with anybody else talking to ourselves in ways we would never talk to a loved one. So one of the very helpful thing I've found is to reroute my thinking as if I was talking to a friend, which forces me to be kind, understanding, and constructive. Another point is I try not to buffer too much. The coffee break is good, But for me, buffering is doing something that will aim to suppress the thoughts I am having at the moment. So it will be different from one person to the other, but typically what I'll do to buffer is to put myself in front of the TV and watch a TV show, for example, or go play the guitar, or go out and see people. And that will allow me to just camouflage whatever feelings I'm experiencing. For other people, buffering could be exercising extremely, or overeating, or playing video games. Any escape that distracts you enough so that you don't actually face your feelings. Granted, the going out part right now is not possible, so that is get out, but uh, you know. I find it very helpful also to explore the roots of your thinking when you are experiencing disappointment. It may feel silly at first, but do listen to your thoughts. What are the sentences that are going through your mind? What are you telling yourself? Pushing negative emotions away will only reinforce them and eventually they'll come back stronger. If you take time to explore your thoughts and understand where they're coming from, watch what you're telling yourself. Define if there's truth in that as well as what isn't true. It will help you process and be more constructive. Once you've done all of that, it's easier to find ways both to accept and also to grow from that self-disappointment and to make it a positive lever for the future. That's why I was saying earlier that not stepping up and admitting when you didn't show up will do more harm because it prevents you from teaching yourself and avoid doing it again. It's great if you can push yourself to take the first step and communicate with whomever was responsible for what you were working on and apologize. 
sharing insights about what you think you didn't do well, what you would do differently next time, and how you will approach it. That will show that you have learned the consequences of your mistakes or flops and that you will do all that you can not to be in this situation again. Also, it will show that you took time to think about it and it meant a lot to you. One other thing that I feel is so helpful is to ask for feedback. And that's usually something that is said a lot within corporations. So they will say, don't hesitate to ask for feedback and to ask for help. But the truth is, we don't do it that much. And in my previous company, it was even a recurring joke, like feedback is a gift. But the truth is, it really is a gift. Asking for input is so important, not only when you're self-disappointed, but actually all of the time. If you consistently request feedback, then you know whether you are in the right path or not, and it could help you be proactive and prevent not attaining a goal, which then would save you the self-disappointment part. Also, getting the feedback might give you additional insights you hadn't detected yourself and shows that you are always looking to grow and improve. Finally, once you've accepted the missteps, gathered your thoughts, listened to the feedback, make sure you apply what you've learned. That's the trickiest part. <laughs> As we keep going and growing, we know more and more ourselves, so it gets easier. And we know the traps that we tend to fall into and that could likely harm our work. So make sure you set a framework that helps you not stepping into those traps. Whether it is being diligent about having an updated to-do list, taking notes, scheduling regular meetings, being strict on your sleep schedule, forbidding yourself from buffering through your preferred outlets, being aware of your own specificities help preventing too many mishaps. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope this will help you navigate the ups and downs we are bound to experience as we work. As usual, do share your comments on the episodes page or on Instagram, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Comment on this episode on the incubator.net. For more tips and content, visit the paulinefrancois.net site. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and review. I appreciate your support so much, and I'll talk to you soon.